Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Hi, I'm Kevin Son. I'm at Indiana University uh, in Indianapolis. I'm Jenna Bernstein. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Connecticut Orthopedics. Hi, I'm Anna Cohen-Rosenblum. I'm a hip and knee surgeon at Louisiana State University in New Orleans. And I'd like to introduce our guest today, Dr. Bill Hamilton, who's a hip and knee surgeon at the Anderson Clinic, the focal committee chair, and the 2022 AUKUS Presidential Award winner. So welcome, Dr. Hamilton. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to start with talking about the origins of focal because this was something that came up pretty quickly and now is its own committee. And it's very impressive about how that's really just sprang from nowhere. So tell us about the process with that. Yeah, so imagine it's April 2020 and the life has just been shut down. And it's a Monday, I remember, when they told us that elective surgery would be canceled. And only a few days later that we couldn't really come into the hospital. And, you know, I'm the fellowship director at Anderson Clinic, had a fellowship for 35 years, and our weekly teaching conference is immensely important to us and the fellows. So I said to myself, well, how the heck are we going to do our teaching conference this week with the fellows? And leave it to the fellows who are much more technically savvy than me to say, hey, you know, we can do this on Google Meet. I think it was the first platform we used. So within our fellowship, within just a few days, we started to do our weekly teaching conference via the Google Meet. My family set up a Google Meet, my extended family, and all of a sudden, you know, all these platforms or all these different groups of people were meeting on Google Meet. And then I started, I think there was an AUKUS board meeting within like a week or two of this to talk about the pandemic. And it came to me that we could actually invite someone like Brian Springer to teach my fellows. He doesn't have to fly up here to give us a lecture. And that was one of the first things we did was we held a small meeting and I invited some guest lecturers to teach my fellows. And I said, why can't we just do this nationally? None of us actually have to be in the same room. And I went to the AUKUS board not more than a day later and said, hey, what do you guys think about this idea? Why don't we start a webinar series where we get the nation's top experts to give lectures to the fellows because we're all sitting around doing nothing. And the board immediately granted approval. And then we started setting the schedule. And I just sat in my room and I called all my friends and said, hey, let's set an agenda. And we did it five days a week for like the next probably five or six weeks. And we had great support from the AUKUS staff who then generated this amazing catalog of videos that now live on the website that many of us still use. So if I got to do a Marlex mesh for an extensor mechanism, I go watch Matt Abdel's video on the focal site. I mean, it's been a great resource for me and a lot of people. So it really just came from an idea. And then the AUKUS team and, and really the whole AUKUS community, all the faculty are what have made this a success. And I think that's where it's been very impressive to build that library very quickly to something that's so useful to so many beyond fellows. Residents are using it, all that kind of thing. Young attendings are using it in a similar manner. So now that you've kind of built this robust kind of repertoire of cases and topics, where do you see kind of the progress going forward? Is it going to evolve from that? Is it just going to kind of be there and exist as it is, or what, yeah, what's the future of Focal? Well, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. You know, after summer of 2020, when we started getting back to work and we started meeting in person, 
I remember meeting with some of the AUKUS leadership and saying, well, what is the future? And they said, well, we should make this permanent committee. And I said, well, that's not really what I had said. <laughs> and, and they said, and you're going to be the chair. And I said, well, I chair this other committee. No, you're going to chair this. Said, okay. And then what, you know, what really uh, struck me was that AUKUS is in the a premier position to enhance and support fellowship education because no one else is really doing it. Our fellowship education in adult reconstruction, we kind of fly by our bootstrings. We don't have great structure, organization. You can go to a fellowship in Tuscaloosa or Rochester, Minnesota or San Diego and get a completely different experience. And come on, we're a professional organization. You would think we can do better for our surgeons. So that's, I think, the, hopefully the future of this committee and AUKUS in general. It's not only the webinars that we're doing. I think that's important, and we're going to continue to update those and keep them current because fellows like that. But it's hopefully my goal would be to do something a little bit more meaningful even and really influence fellow education to a greater degree. I mean, going along with that, in addition to having more of a curriculum like you're talking about for fellowship, do you think there should be more regulation of fellowships mm. and more kind of yeah. oversight of what's done? Well, or? that's a touchy subject. This <laughs> has been talked about quite a bit. And I think there's not much appetite for that. And I don't think that AUKUS wants to at least currently be a governing body that oversees this. So m my vision would be to provide support and resources for fellowships that are just starting or even in existence that need help. And I mean, I can say for myself as having taken over as fellowship director a handful of years ago, you know, I looked at our curriculum and realized, you know, we don't really have much structure. I mean, we do these conferences, but it's kind of disorganized. So I sat down personally at my own fellowship and made a curriculum. And now that our committee has taken that and offered that, it's on the website. So if you're a fellowship director and you don't really have much structure in your fellowship, please use our resources because put in some structure, even if it's just a reading list or a cycle or schedule of topics, it can really improve your overall education. So, and you know, there's so many new fellowships that have started in the last five to 10 years. I mean, it's like every year, three or four new fellowships pop up. And how do those fellowships educate their fellows? I mean, so I think that we can really be a of significant service to the new and existing fellowships for some structure. Do you think it's good that all these new fellowships are coming up? Or do you think that we're getting to a place where there's so many different small fellowships, There's you don't know necessarily who's training people, and then anyone can go out and advertise that they're the same fellowship trained where we all know that maybe it's not all created equal. Do you think that that's a positive, a negative? Do you think it doesn't matter? I don't know. Fair I enough. think that this is, you know, is how we've always done it. I mean, there's never been structure. So who's to say that if you trained with, at the Anderson Clinic or the Hospital for Special Surgery, your experience was anything? I mean, it, it, you just got a stamp of approval. There was no criteria. There was no guidelines, curriculum. You, you didn't have to. All you had to do was show up. And I'd like to think that the new fellowships serve some purpose because there's a need. I mean, there's plenty of people that want to fill these spots. But we have to make sure, and I think AUKUS is in the position to do this, to make sure that the fellows are being educated appropriately, being treated appropriately. They shouldn't be used just as slave labor, you know, because I think sometimes people start a fellowship and they say, well, I need a fellow to do all my paperwork and to take my call. That's not what fellowship education is about. Fellowship education is about training our next generation of surgeons. And somebody needs to make sure that uh, people are at least following some minimum guidelines. I 
I'd like to think that's what our committee can help with, but I don't have any intention of becoming the fellowship police. I would say going back to your point about educating future generations, the focal curriculum and the resources, they're not, I don't think they're just for fellowships. I mean, as someone who works with residents, I find it very useful making a resident joint replacement, you know, rotation curriculum. So oh, I absolutely. think we should make sure everybody knows that's available as well. Oh yeah, of course, these resources are for everyone. And it's funny when I, you know, I try to get onto most of our webinars and I like to peruse to see who's on. And it's a lot of fellows, but it's also residents. It's some of my recent fellow graduates, it's attendings. I mean, Dr. Chen has been on every focal podcast and she's not, uh, or, or, you know, not necessarily always faculty. So people are th always thirsting for knowledge and seeing what's out there and what people have to say. So it's for everyone. I'm just biased because I'm, you know, so focused on fellow education. And we're, you're still making focal videos every month, right? They're still monthly podcasts. Yep, yep. We talk about how if someone had an idea that they wanted for a webinar, how that they could make that happen. Yeah, well, you just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, not and, me personally, but right. maybe people that <laughs> right. aren't oh, sitting I've, at the table. I've had with a you. number of suggestions. Uh -huh. So like this calendar year, the academic calendar year has been set. So it, it would be unlikely that we put on something for this year. But we've just recently had a really good suggestion from a member that I thought was great. So we have it on our list for next year. So we're going to meet this meeting and talk about next year's agenda. And there's a subcommittee on the focal committee that will work on that coming up with a list of topics like, hey, what's getting old on the site? You know, there's always things that probably need to be updated, like infections always do for a refresh every two or three years and things like that. And there's things that we try to touch on every year, like a lot of the new fellows and senior residents are interested in contracts and how to find a new job. I mean, that's always a hot topic. So we try to touch on that, you know, or some version of that each year, and then we'll mix in different topics. So if anyone ever has an idea, please just email me or any one of our committee members and we'll put it on our list. Sometimes at the end of our podcast, we like to just ask the experts what they do in their own practice. All right. So what approach do you use for your total hips? Uh, the correct one, the anterior approach. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and how about hip revisions? So that's a mixed bag. I'll do some revisions through the anterior approach, my cups, simple liner exchanges, some simple femoral exchanges, but I've published some data on my revision experience with the anterior approach, and it's not necessarily all rosy. For instance, <laughs> I always thought that the liner exchanges would have such a lower dislocation rate from the front, in our experience, it was exactly the same wow. as the posterior approach. So then I said, well, okay, so maybe it's not, so I will individualize each case. Because I trained long enough ago where I actually never had any training on anterior approach in residency or fellowship, never saw it. So I, I'm self-taught. So like if I have a big femoral revision that needs an extended trochanteric osteotomy, I do that from the posterior approach. What are your thoughts on uncemented total knees? Oh, I love it. I mean, who likes to stand and watch cement dry? That's I love the smell. Does anyone really? else not <laughs> love the smell? Maybe that's, I'm just a I, It's funny, my son just joined me on an Operation Walk trip to Cuba, and he, he couldn't stop talking about the smell of the cement because <laughs> he came in to observe a surgery. He said, Dad, that's the worst smell in the world. I can't awesome. tolerate it. So, no, I think that you're going to see uncemented knee use grow, and I think it's going to grow significantly because they're working very well. For and everyone? Yeah, uh, I was going to say, what are your I think, uh Yeah, I mean, it's of course, I think it's going to be mostly your younger patients, but I'm not so sure we won't see it rise dramatically in the coming years because it is working quite well, and it's pretty nice. I mean, it's like doing a hip, you know, when you hammer it in, and <laughs> you're like, and oh, we're done. <laughs> I, you mean I could start closing? <laughs> 
<laughs> so it is quite nice not to have to cement. With how well cementless knees are doing and how the early data now is not actually showing any inferiority in terms of early aseptic loosening as it pre with previous designs and the failures that we had with those, when you talk to your patient, do you counsel them about a potential risk for early loosening and failure for cementless or? Do yeah, you I don't do usually, anymore? it doesn't usually enter the discussion like my choice of, it's kind of like if I was going to do PS or CR or ultra congruent, that, I don't talk to the patient about yeah. that. I similarly don't talk to them about whether I resurface the patella or not. Yeah. I just kind of give them the very best knee I think they should have. And so... It's like a lot of things. I mean, there are a lot of things I talk to the patient about, but the details about the, you know, I don't tell them, hey, I'm doing your hip replacement. You're, you're going to have a collared prosthesis. <laughs> you know, that's controversial. So there's some things that I don't think patients probably benefit necessarily from knowing. It's almost a little bit too much information. Are you resurfacing patellas? Less and less each year. Okay. It's also quite liberating, <laughs> especially when you're not using cement. Yeah. And what kind of bearing surface for your total knees? I think it's like metal and plastic, no, right? Like CR. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, so that's also I'm changing. Like I'm historically a very, I'm a classically trained PS surgeon and I'm using less and less of it. When I started, you know, not cutting the box is quite liberating. Right, yeah. And I think that's what you're seeing, the AJR reflect these trends. As guys like me who've done it their whole careers start not doing it, it's like, wow, that's yeah. really nice. And last one that I have, um, closure for total knees, skin closure. Uh, all wounds get closed with some running subcuticular and glue. Uh, what if you're, love it. if you're going through a prior incision, like a big open incision, do yeah. you still use the Try to do the same. There's some data from the Mayo Clinic that's really compelling about, you know, subcuticular closures versus staples or nylons. The subcuticular closure is really much better. Uh, I do use a fair number of these negative pressure wound vacs mm -hmm. in, the, in the compromised wounds, and I think that's been a pretty helpful. Final question, which is a bigger deal, being the president of AUKUS or getting the AUKUS presidential award? I think being the president, well, I, I can tell you that it's very nice to get the award and not have to do all the things that Dr. Springer does. Yeah, that's a good point. I, there's many days that I, I, while I respect the heck out of Brian, he's done such an amazing job. I'm not always jealous of all the responsibility he has. So I'm happy to be just the award winner. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We yeah, really no, appreciate you thrilled. taking the thank, time. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.